0: LP operating out of Burlington, Vermont, 105.9 The Radiator is once again at The Rocket Shop. I am your host, Tom Proctor. With me tonight is Gaylord DeWalt.
1: How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh,
0: absolutely. Uh, uh, anytime. Um, now, you're a little bit of an interesting artist, a uh, bit different to what we usually expect. So, uh, we usually start off with uh, a song, mm-hmm. or I don't know if I'd describe it as a song in this kind of instance. Um, but would you like to introduce maybe kind of what your genre is? Yeah. Uh, the, the piece that you'll be playing and then the song itself and then. Sure.
1: Sure. So I'm a free improvisation bassist. I do a bunch of other kinds of things too, but today that's the, the thing I'm going to be doing. So I'm going to play some music for a little while (laughs) and then we'll talk about it. Sweet. All right. Take it away. And then I, then I'm done. Okay,
0: <laughs> all right, uh, yeah. So as I said, very different. Uh, your genre is incredibly difficult to pin down. Um, so how do you describe yourself to others?
1: Yeah, so that's a that's a good question. I usually just say that I play music and it's improvised. If I'm talking to other. Um, super music nerds I'll be like well it's free improvisation and non- idiomatic in the same vein as Eric Bailey in mm-hmm. the 60s or whatever and um, people have been making this music this kind of music for a long time um, but generally just say I, I play music and I, I make it up as I go mm. right that's like this the simplest way to think of it is I start with the instrument and I think about... Some directions maybe, or or contrasts that I want to work with, mm. uh, and go from there. I think each improviser is kind of usually approaches it in their own way, and some people are more excited about technical aspects of playing, how many notes they can fit in, or those kinds of things. Or others are more concerned with the nature of sound itself. Like that's something I get into. Like what is the I play the double bass, which is like the cello, but more and uh, like I get excited about what do those really low frequencies sound like or how do they feel or what is it what is the sound of the wood or the sound of your fingers on the strings just like the tactile physical nature of sound Mm. which isn't so different from having an electric guitar cranked up to 11 where you feel the sound itself it's just a different expression of that
0: Mm. Um, and so you say it's improvisational uh, the two of the genres that kind of come to mind when you say that uh, is jam mm-hmm. and jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, jazz being, you know, kind of the, the basis of the rest of the music we have these days. So, especially jazz, how does it differ to to that kind of form of music? Well,
1: it, I think a, a lot of the players who do free improvisation, um, many of them would I think trace sort of their history or their thinking back to jazz. Like I play in a jazz quartet that does you know, quote-unquote normal jazz or mm. standards jazz. Um, the difference might be, like, in a like say you're playing uh, Coltrane songs or something. Like, a, a standard jazz band is, is essentially a cover band, right? Instead of covering The Grateful Dead, you're covering Miles Davis and John Coltrane or Charlie Parker or any of these other fantastic musicians. Um, and there are structures in place for those songs. So, the, you know, if you're going to play My Favorite Things, it, it has a specific set of chords and melodies and that's what makes it what it is and there's moments within those structures where you can make it up as you go um and though even within there's some limits perhaps on that and people argue about this all the time but there's like a structure and you play this the melody and then you make it up as you go for a little while and then you play the melody and that would be a the normal format for a like a jazz thing. If you go down to the Delhi 126 on Friday, you mm-hmm. can hear me and my you know, quartet do that. Um, whereas free improvisation, the free part of it, uh, it, comes from there isn't... We don't start with a set of chord changes or a known melody. Uh, we start from silence and we, we play from there and make it up as we go and maybe we re- return to things or maybe we just continually push forward through something, um, but it doesn't have this. It doesn't have a structure to it in the way that um, a traditional, you know, jazz uh, arrangement might. Mm.
0: And for you, do you class this uh, because it's a non-traditional song? Um, mm-hmm. Do you class it as it's like pure art? Is it is it just sonic art like you would you would find in a contemporary art museum? Uh, do, you, do you class this as music? Is this a Venn diagram of right. several different yeah. things?
1: I could, yeah, probably a Venn... I haven't really thought of it that way, but like a Venn diagram probably would would work out to some degree. It's obviously music, and I've got a very broad you know definition for music is like uh, sound that human beings organize mm. qualifies as music, so... While you're uh, jackhammering on the street, if you're the jackhammerist and you're <laughs> doing that and organizing the sounds, then you're the jackhammerist. Uh. Um, uh, you know, so it's definitely music. Um, we're definitely organizing the sounds and making decisions about about them and how we feel about the sound and that kind of thing. Um, Although y- when you mention uh, you know, contemporary art, I mean, sometimes I, d- I will describe the genre as like, oh yeah, it's like uh, you know contemporary art, but for sound. Mm. You know? And within the like these sort of uh, edge case you know, musics where you have you know, maybe free improvisation or contemporary composition and stuff written by living composers that may or may not be you know, quote unquote classical, but uh, you know it's living composers. Um, and then experimental music, kind of those three sort of trying, you know, triangle of sounds out there. Um, it's, it's really about like exploring. It's about exploring what's available to us for expression as humans, but also exploring the physics of sound. Like there's a a bunch of things that are going on there and it's, it's definitely music. Mm. Um, it may not be a song in the same sort of product-oriented thing that that you know. It may not like easily fit into a. B- if we still had r- things called record stores, except you know Greg's store up in with wi- notwithstanding, you know, even though they might not fit into a bin very easily, uh, it's still a, a kind of expression.
0: Mm. And what are you trying to? And I'm sure this changes from piece to piece, but. What is it that you broadly try and invoke when uh, someone comes and listens to you play?
1: Um, the the main things I'm personally working on w- like in a show is um, I'm really into exploring the just the raw tone of the instrument itself like when I'm playing the double bass just letting people be in the room with that sound for a while like I'm trying to build, Space for people to s- either self reflect or just to exist for a little while, just to like rest and exist for a little while, which we don't, we aren't often encouraged to do. We're often encouraged to, you know, click next, listen to the next thing, go to the next thing. Like there is no rest, you know, left in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to create a space where that's possible, I guess. Um, and using music as the sort of device for that for that exploration um yeah that's i guess that's what i would say about that
0: i like that um well i i feel that maybe we should pause and take a rest and have a listen
1: now sure thing
2: you
0: So I was doing a little bit of reading online um, from your website and um, you're, you're gracious enough to bring this beautiful double bass in with you tonight and you did mention on, on that site that this, this double bass is your foundation for the songs that you do create and uh, I don't know how many are fully improvised when you do record them. I'm sure there's probably a little bit more a like little both,
1: yeah, yeah. It's a little of both. I uh, so the m- many of the recordings that are, are on like Bandcamp, bunch of those are are improvisations, or they're improvisations, um, and sometimes they're sort of repeating themes mm-hmm. that we go back and forth with. Uh, a, a, a guy that I studied with um, for a while and who had this bass before uh, before me, uh, Bar Phillips, uh, explained to me once. He's like, he says. Uh, you know, free improvisers, are it's kind of like you have one song and you've just been, you're just playing it over and over and mm. some days it's a little different than it was and you're just constantly refining it. Um, and that was kind of an interesting way of thinking about it uh, where it's, it's not, like it's all really, yeah, it's all just the same song, mm. really, you know, it's, uh, but it changes or you're feeling it differently on some days than others and, and different features of it come out um, at different times that said, I do play some stuff that have you know notes on a page and, mm-hmm. and I've commissioned composers. I've got, uh, 10 pieces that I've, uh, commissioned from different composers around the country, um, for the double bass using some of the kind of special techniques that I know how to do and, and those kinds of things. So it's, I try to, um, I try to be involved sort of in all of the different kind of generative or, you know, quote unquote creative musics mm. where, uh, you know, trying to encourage other people to make new works for the double bass because mm. we don't have a lot of like concert pieces for our, for the bass. There's lots for the cello and the violin, but mm. you know, double bass we've got a couple and and they're great, but we could use more. So, <laughs> um, so I do that stuff too. Yeah.
0: Um. And you you did mention, uh, as I said, that you kind of built you your double bass is your foundation. Hmm. Um. So what do you then build around that and how do you build around that? What's your process in general?
1: Yeah. So when I'm working with just a double bass, um, I'm really tuning in as much as I can just to the raw physical sensation of the sound itself. Like, we can hear a note and say, "Oh, that's a note. That's nice." But like to really get microscopic with it, except I guess with my ears. So micro earic with it. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. Micro auric. I don't know. But really paying attention to what is the nature of that sound. Like how is how is the sound of a low E different on a double bass than it is on a you know, on a piano, for example. And like what's the difference between those sounds. Um, and so I'm, I try to listen in for that, like, what is the nature of the sound? And what is the nature of the sound today? Because just like with any sort of physical endeavor, like athletics or whatever, the day, you know, in any given moment, your body's going to be responding different. The instrument's going to be responding different. The room is going to be responding. Like, all those things respond differently. And to really be open to how sound is influencing and being influenced by all of those things together, which gets this, you know, sounds a little bit like hippie Vermont (laughs) stuff after a while, but it's, it's true. It's like anyone who's been on stage, when you play a note into the room, you can tell like, where's the audience at right now? Mm. Like, are they receiving this or not? Are they interested or not? Like when I was playing, you know, to begin with and people were moving around and then after a little while, they're really, really quiet. And then feeling that, what's the shift in that and trying to work, with all of those things kind of together um it's it's really about paying attention as much as possible to everything that's happening both within my control on the instrument but also in the room itself
0: and i did read an interesting piece about your performance at waking windows where you played in a coffee shop quite early in the day um and you Mentioned how different that was, uh, in terms of you know the way people react. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we have a, uh, um, it, it's I think it, there might have been about the AM frequency series, where we have um, it's me, uh, uh, well community of sound, kind of my my collective of experimenters, um, and Karma Birdhouse and Maglianero, where we d- we do a show at seven thirty in the morning on a weekday um, of music not unlike what we've just heard on the radio or with uh, giant tape loops or different things like that. And y- the context in which we listen to music has an influence on how, it, how it gets to us. Right. And we know that, like, I know that from like being a kid and walking around and listening to songs when like, I've got a broken heart It has a different, you know, the certain albums really like feel, I could still feel the way I did when I was a mm. teenager and, um, or, or where we were when we heard certain kinds of sounds. And part of that, um, s- the goal of that 7.30 in the Morning series is to experience new sounds before you've quite woken up, where it's like in a different context, mm. like on the way to work, perhaps, um, as sort of one element of it, or just not at night at a bar, for example. Like it, hearing music not at a bar changes the context of kind of the meaning of all of that, and it allows, I feel, allows people a chance to kind of reflect on the sounds, or themselves, or their day, or any any number of things.
0: Did you find uh, an interesting reaction to that? Because yeah. I know the Common Bird House is a well it's a commercial office building mm-hmm. with yeah. a lot of creative types in it. Yeah, but seven uh, thirty in the morning, right? Experimental music is right. certainly not something you would really expect yeah. to, to hear on your way to w- way into work.
1: Yeah, and that. Uh, we're really lucky that that they're open open to that idea of like let's let's give this a try. I mean, on the one hand, it's lucky that it's 7:30 to 9:30, so if you want to start at nine, it's probably just a half an hour of mm. of this sort of thing. But what I've found, and we've been doing it every month um, so far this year, there's a there are a few people that come to hear it specifically to hear it, mm. uh, and and that sort of speaks to like one of the other goals of that series was accessibility, where some people can't make shows in the evening cause either they work or they have family commitments and that kind of thing. Um, and so there are several people who come and, you know, bring their newborns or what, you know, kids, stuff like that. Um, and, and just to hear the music. And then there are some people who are just popping in to get their coffee and their day just got a little bit weird. And that's (laughs) always fantastic to see that kind of what happens to their face as they walk in and they're like, what is happening? Mm. And then they are waiting for coffee and they're like into it. And then they get their coffee and they go to work because that's what they're doing. And then, um, since it's a coffee shop where people also work, like some people show up and they set up their laptops and they realize "Oh, something's a little different today. and they carry on doing their businesses normal, and and that's that. And I've always kind of wondered about that crew, kind of most of all, where it's like, oh, geez, I hope hope they're not too put out that <laughs> like we're doing this weird thing. But after our last show, I got done, and a woman looks up from her laptop, and she and she says, "Thank you so much." And I was like, "Oh, that's that's good. That's what I want. You know, that's what I want is just a little bit of extra something in the day, and and let that and let that experience happen." Mm. Um. No one's thrown rocks or bricks <laughs> or anything yet. We, so far, we've been pretty good with Hot it. Hot coffee you know? is not coming your way. right? It comes to us, but it's in a it's in a mug and it tastes <laughs> fantastic. So,
0: um, and you mentioned that uh, your collective that you created. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. Uh, Community of Sound is a, a experimental music incubator, and we we started last May, so we're it's going to be a year old here very shortly. Um, and we run, a se- we run a series called the COSIGN series, which stands for Community of Sound, Improvised, New, and Experimental. And we bring in people from uh, out of town that, are, that I know through my contemporary music networks. We've had um, Rajna Swaminathan, who's just releasing a new album. You can read about it in The Wire. Um, we've had Sandy Ewan, who's an experimental um, prepared guitar player, does a ton of fantastic work. We're about to have Elizabeth A. Baker up for a week um, in a couple weeks from the 13th to the 17th, and she does a bunch of electronics, and we're going to have a um, women in technology workshop while while she's here, so we're really excited about that. Um, But in addition to the series, we also use our space to create our own work, so it's kind of like... uh, it's not so much a sh- like a shared band space so much as like a production space where we work and we've got a lot of recording gear and a baby grand piano and stuff d- and enough space to work, which in Burlington is th- is a real challenge for musicians. Um, I think probably every musician in town is kind of aware of, you know, most people's apartment leases say you can't practice, uh, stuff like that. So just having a space that's dedicated to the pursuit of sound in a, um, very welcoming and diverse, uh, crew of people is, um, you know, that's something that's important to us to kind of like make that happen. And there's seven of us. Um, and, so we, we basically, we hang out and make music. We check out the space, or we sometimes do things as a group together, or little, little groups, or some of us have bands and practice there. One of our very prolific members, um, Adrian Cooper Smith, is almost always recording either a folk band or a metal band. There's always something <laughs> crazy happening. I walk in like, all right, Adrian, you know? So it's a little bit like this place. It's a <laughs> lot like this place. And in fact, it's like upstairs from this place. So, you know, we should we should have a sh- uh, joint mic locker or uh, something, you know, but, um, but that's the group. And uh, and we're constantly kind of looking for additional things to to work on and collaborations. Um, we're going to be curating a stage at Waking Windows that uh, we just found out about. So that's, we're excited to be sort of holding down the fort for the, the weird music on Waking Windows uh, Friday night. So if you want to hear more of this, and we're really lucky, like Burlington has a, we have a lot of really creative music. Like I started keeping track of it over the course of the year and like writing down like who's doing what, where, and there's all the different DIY shows. Like out at the Gloom Garden is always doing a cool noise show or something like that. And um, we've got our own series or, you know, Lauren, um, uh, QLZN is constantly doing something interesting like her Yoko Ono tribute night that she did that was a f- amazing show. Um, so it's... My friends from Brooklyn will, will be like, well, what's the scene for experimental music like mm. up in Burlington? Like, how could there be anything? And I'm like, well, I'll put on a show and there'll be 10 to 15 people will come. And, you know, if I haul all of my gear down to Brooklyn and I play a show, 10 to 15 <laughs> people will come. So <laughs> our our scene is every bit as vibrant as Brooklyn. Yeah.
0: You know? well, m- more people per capita. More people per
1: capita yeah. as well, exactly. And once you get beyond that, if you get out to like Montpelier, then there's, like, there's a group called Turn Music that does a bunch of, of fantastic uh, classical pieces. Last year, um, they did uh, this great song cycle by uh sarah k snyder called penelope and it, it was for chamber uh chamber ensemble plus laptop electronics and i, I performed the electronics part but it was uh, you know a fantastic thing it's like we really like in most things you know vermont punches above its weight in in cool stuff and r- i'm really excited to be a part of that
0: yeah well i'd love to hear another another song sure thing Gaylord, thanks for having me. Well, that was wonderful. Um, before you go, is there anything you'd like to plug? Any any events you got on?
1: Oh man, there's a bunch. Um, well, I guess go to Gaylord Dewald, G A H L O R D, D E W A L D dot com. Get on the email list because I email list people about all the cool stuff going on, and not just my own, but the everything that everyone's doing. Upcoming, most uh, immediately on. Sunday uh, at 2.30 p.m. at uh, the community of sound space, which is just upstairs from here at Four Howard. Uh, there is a ambient electro-acoustic uh, trio of modular synth uh, keyboard and laptop electronics and saxophone that's playing as part of our Cosign series. And then that uh, you know, April 13th to 17th, when we have Elizabeth A. Baker in, in town, Especially uh, that Sunday, we're going to do the Women in Technology or Women in Technology workshop. So, if anybody who's female or female identifying wants to do a class of music technology stuff and not have a bunch of bros there, that's a great time to do it. Um, For those of us who are not women, she's going to do one on Monday for everybody, for women and not women. So, (laughs) no one's left out. We're just going to have a special class for for women. so those are, th- those are things I would really encourage people to check out.
0: Oh, wicked. Well, once again, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, coming up next, we've got Homebrew. Um, we'll be right back.